Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content marketing in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thanks for joining us once again. Today, we go a little bit off the beaten track into an area that is not quite specifically about content, but is vitally important in terms of engaging communities, understanding audiences, and building better policy, better programs, better services, and better regulation. But we'll come to exactly just that topic in a moment. But before we do, as we start each week, we define just exactly what it is that we're talking about. So content marketing is a strategic, measurable, and repeatable business process that relies on the creation, curation, and distribution of useful relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So there we go. So today, our guest is Helen Owens, who is the Principal Advisor on Public Data Policy at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet here in Canberra, Australia. Helen has a lot of experience in data management and policy. In her previous role, she's been the Assistant Secretary of Data Policy for the Department of Communications and General Manager of the Office of of Spatial Policy for the Department of Industry, Innovation and Science. Helen provides whole-of-government advice on data strategy and its applications. Helen, thanks very much for joining us in Transition. Thank you very much for having me, David. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? This notion of data and being able to draw insights and to build collaboration um, with the civil society and engaging with government. And, it, and this is a program that you, you are putting together and implementing. So can you just explain for the listeners, what is the Open Government Partnership? So the Open Government Partnership is a multilateral initiative um, that aims to secure concrete commitments from governments to promote transparency, empower citizens, fight corruption and harness new technologies to strengthen the governance around um, policy decisions in government. Um, It was launched in 2011 and there are currently around 70 participating countries across the globe. And in November 2015, um, Prime Minister Turnbull wrote to the Open Government Partnership and confirmed that the Australian government would indeed finalise its membership of the what we call the OGP. We like to use acronyms. <laughs> um, and in order to finalise our membership, David, uh, we have to submit what we call a national action plan, which we are currently co-creating with civil society groups. And OGP countries operate on a two-year calendar cycle on their national action plans and uh, that means that each uh, every year there's different countries um, submitting their new national action plans. So ultimately, the benefit, what is the benefit that the citizen and stakeholders are going to get that comes from this commitment to, a, to the open government partnership? So for us, it re- it's actually 
a, a really exciting opportunity for government to engage much more closely with the citizens on policy development and decisions that government are taking. So it's an opportunity for civil society and government to come together to work through issues around transparency, accountability of government, public participation in policy decision making and innovation for our country and our region indeed because if we are successful in joining, which we think we will be, then there's opportunity for us to do some things in the region as well. Mm. Um, Australia is certainly starting from a high base, David. Um, we have a long tradition of openness and transparency um, and government agencies uh, will, you know, are already in this country required to publish their annual reports, budgets, contracts to enable oversight and transparency. We also make bills and legislation open and as well as parliamentary transcripts and we make all those things already open to civil society. Um, but, I mean, essentially for what's in it for, for the country, if you like, is, mm. is this fantastic opportunity for... Uh, citizens to be engaged in the decisions of government. And, and this is a, a pretty new and exciting uh, opportunity for us. Now, I perfectly agree with you that, you know, stakeholder consultation has been a very important part of policy development, regulation, program delivery, service delivery for a very, very long time. But what it seems that you're suggesting here is really the next level, which is it's not just about we're coming to ask your opinions. It's we want you to help us co-create yes, the solution. that's correct. Now, that is a big step from where we are at the moment. So how do we change attitudes of policy, program, service areas where all of a sudden they've got to share the bench seat with somebody that perhaps they haven't had to in the past? It is very new territory for us and uh, we've established initially an, an interim working group which um, will, we hope, it evolve into a more, um, well, it will evolve into a more long-term consultation um, group. And even within the interim working group where we're talking about what commitments are going to be in our national action plan, it is really challenging for uh, government to take on board what civil society is saying to us in terms of what they would like to see in the plan and work through that with different agencies as to whether that can actually be achieved and whether the ambitions that we're aiming for are high enough to achieve a satisfactory result for the civil society people. Which is, that's interesting because that's expectation management. Yes. So how do you go about managing people's expectations when there is this thought perhaps of thinking, oh, this is great, we're going to get a seat at the table and our, that fantastic idea that I've been thinking about for all these years that makes perfect sense, I'm just going to put it forward and it's going to be adopted. So how do you manage the you know, the many exuberant contributors who will be wanting to, to help to, to build policy, program, services and, and regulation. Yeah. So I think, David, the, the key thing here is allowing citizens who are engaged with us to have a sense that they, they are being heard mm. and, and to have an opportunity to actually talk to them about why their good idea is potentially difficult to implement, um, what the roadblocks and barriers might be to yeah. um, their ideas being implemented. 
But, uh, but at the same time, um, for government to be making compromise around um, our views on, on those issues as well. And I guess what we're finding uh, with this uh, interim working group is that we need to be having very open dialogue and we're doing that in a very transparent way. And we're currently publishing all of our minutes uh, of the meetings that we're having. We publish the agenda items. We publish the uh, the agenda itself. So all of these discussions that we're having are very open to anyone who wants to get engaged in this activity. Um, but what, as I said, just going back, I think what we're finding is that people are pretty reasonable when they sit down with the government and say, well, we think there should be this policy in place and we have the opportunity then to say, well, these are the reasons why that is a good idea and, yes, we're going to talk about taking that forward um, and this, this might be how we might take it forward. But we also have an opportunity to say these are the reasons why we think that's a really bad idea as mm. well. And, uh, well, not bad idea, but an not idea gonna... that potentially might not be able to Yeah, the be unintended consequences that perhaps right. have not been thought through yes. as, as clearly as, as yes. they might. As they might. Yeah. But, again, it's interesting you're saying that it, it, it is difficult and you're accepting that it's difficult. Yeah. So where are the parts of it that make it difficult for government? Is it uh, cultural elements? Is it process? Is it risk? Is it governance? Or is it plus, plus, plus? It's all of those things. <laughs> it's probably all of those things. Um, <laughs> and, look, you know, there's, there is, there's a real learning curve here for us and, one of the good things, I guess, about where we're at at the moment with the Open Government Partnership work is that it is embedded in the Prime Minister's portfolio and we've got the opportunity to have that dialogue with agencies, uh, other line agencies, and get them thinking a little bit along the lines of how do we engage with citizens on a much more transparent um, and uh, sort of uh, equal platform, if you like, um, going forward, what we hope to do is have a an ongoing consultation um, arrangement, which will be actually one of the commitments in the plan. And we see this uh, playing out in a couple of ways, I think. One would be potentially something similar to what we've got in the interim working group, um, yet to be worked through the interim working group in terms of what that looks like in the plan. Um, because we've, we're talking about that commitment um, at the working group itself and, and getting their ideas about what would be a great thing for them. Um, but we also see that the Digital Transformation Office has a role to play here in terms of how do we better engage um, through digital platforms with, with citizens. We have um, in this program that we've got, we've got a blog, we've got a wiki, We've got an email, but that's not enough uh, and we're not really reaching as far as we can in civil society by using those mechanisms because people have to know that it's there in order to engage. So uh, the, the real ambition in the plan is to have platforms that civil society from all walks of life can actually 
put in uh, suggestions to government about um, policy um, and and programs that they might think are valuable to them. Yeah, but but I would worry because you know government is complex, deliberately so, and it should be, and it has to be, and therefore it's not simple. And sometimes when people come to engage with it, that perhaps you know, like it's obvious that you should just do it in a, in a particular way. So I do worry about people. Um, and their expectations. And have you found that in the interim uh, working group that people have their level of understanding of that complexity, um, you know, the appetite around risk, the need for governments, the need for contestable ideas around, you know, policy and programs. Have you found that people have got a, a, a clear understanding of, of all of the variables that impact policy and program making? Um, look, I think the membership of our interim working group is such that they, a lot of them have worked with right. government closely already, um, but their uh, their constituents potentially might not have that level of, um, of understanding. So with the interim working group itself, um, I'm very confident with those yeah. people that they understand the, the issues that we're facing in government and they understand the complexities. You're right, though. The general uh, citizen on the street um, might think that they've got a, a great idea which government should hear and they won't understand the difficulties that we might have in implementing that idea. Um, but what we see with this, um, with this uh, sort of consultation platform going forward is that there ought to be a responsibility of the civil society group to actually consult with their own constituents as well, that it wouldn't just be government talking to them, that it would actually be civil society talking to civil society as well and having that dialogue within those networks to then present um, a sort of um, joined up mm. voice to imp implement government policy. It's interesting you say that because a number of programs we're working on at the moment from content groups' point of view in terms of basically telling the story of government organisations, which is, is what we do every day, we're finding that this notion of third-party assistance and third-party help in terms of, here, we've got a story to tell, can we actually use your channels and your audience to, to get the story out, that people are happy. You know, if there's value to their audience and if, if the content is relevant and specific, that we've, we're finding people saying, sure, you know, send it our way because we're more than happy to try to get the message out. Yes, yeah, and I agree. I think um, getting the message out is a, is a big part of, of what we hope this government partnership arrangement will do for us. Mm. Because if I walked out onto the bus interchange now and said, hey, can you tell me all about the open government partnership? I think I might get a few, yeah, well, um, what's that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> more than a few, David. Yes. I think you would struggle You'd to find somebody way, who you? would know. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Um, Maybe so that's we... an ambition that one day people are on the bus on the way home talking about open government partnership. Yes. And look, I think um, the time will come when we're ready when we've co-drafted the first national action plan and we put that out, there'll be obviously a little bit of media around that um, and, you know, that, that might be an opportunity to get a broader under, understanding of, of what we're doing in this space. But, yeah, it, we are starting with a, with a very keen group of enthusiasts. Yes, um, yes. Who, I, I know a number of them and they are both those things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, look, we're, we're happy to be working with them and, and we do see, though, that it, it is their 
uh, it is their role to actually spread the word as well that this can't just be a government initiative. It's got to be it, it's got to be a joined up effort from sure. both sides. And, but patience, really, the message has got to be that you know, be patient. This is not you know, things aren't going to change yeah. you know overnight. That's right, and we're we're being very pragmatic, David, with our first plan. We recognise that there are a lot of things that civil society are saying to us that they would like included in the plan, in the first plan, that we're not going to be able to achieve. And we've been very honest with them about that at the interim working group. But we've said that they, some of those things, though, ought to be on a long-term dialogue and they might appear in the second plan or the third plan. So mm. some countries in the Open Government Partnership are already on their third plan and the whole idea around the Open Government Partnership and the direction that we get from that organisation is to raise the ambition plan on plan. Yes. And it's a bit about taking baby steps to start with and and then working our way to a much more ambitious um, agenda going forward. Okay, so who are the rock stars of the Open Government Partnership world, you know, globally? Who are the people who are who are doing things that are of interest and who, who've made tangible project, uh, progress in their, uh, in their plans? Um, so, look, I think um, there's, a, there's a couple of notable in, um, ones that, you know, I'll, I'll bring up. One is the Ukraine. Um, so one of the um, interesting commitments from the Ukraine is that they drafted and passed a law that opened up uh, Soviet-era archives, uh, which had previously been closed for decades. Wow. Um, and so that was, I think we, we thought that was pretty special. Um, Mexico, uh, another example, um, they're transforming public childcare facilities with using civil society engagement as well. Um, and the leaders in this space are the UK, Canada and, of course, the US. And okay. they're, they're now on their third action plans. And Is that the D5? Is that what the, I think they're referred to? As, because no. Lithuania are involved in that as well, the Digital Five? Or no, maybe the Digital Five is something quite different. It's something different, different. Yep. okay. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Digital Five is all about digital government rather than open government, which yeah, okay. is a, an entirely different thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we're, we're, we're learning from the, our counterparts and we're speaking to them on a regular basis and we're in uh, close consultation with the... Open Government Partnership Secretariat, which um, we right. talk to uh, on a weekly basis. So 12 months down the track, if we're sitting here, what would you hope you've been able to, to achieve? You know, what would be an area that you're focusing on to say, okay, this is what we want to change in order to deliver a benefit to the community? So we've got a number of commitments that we're working on currently uh, with the interim working group, and these are all available um, and are openly available on our on our public website. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working towards uh, a program of extractive industries transparency, um, and that's coming out of the Department of Industry. So that's um, climate change data, is it? Is that what it's about? No. No? Um, no, it's more about um, the, um, the the transparency of industries and, and what the data is that they put out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and transparency around their resources. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, then uh, we're working on exploring options uh, for the beneficial ownership register of companies. And so that's uh, a register of companies that shows 
who are the beneficiaries um, that are attached uh, to that oh, okay. particular company? That, that's out of is that out of attorney generals? Is that uh, no? That's out of the de- Department of Treasury. Okay, right. Um, yep. 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 Uh, the other thing we're talking about is open contracting, um, and that's about uh, having data standards around contracting. Um, which uh, the interim working group are, are pretty keen to pursue as well. And we've got a whole lot of other things on the table like uh, whistleblower protections for the corporate sector, uh, a lot around um, open data, use of public data um, and what we're doing in that space. We've also, uh, we're also talking about uh, the access to um, information access rights um, as well, uh, sort of in the FOI space, uh, privacy, that sort of thing, and how those things are relating to the digital world as we have it now because some of those acts were drafted sure. um, well before the digital age came along. So we're having early, very early discussions about those things. Um, we're looking, obviously, continuing the public um, participation activity and making sure that we've got a, a really, really robust platform going forward for our next plan okay. and, cons- and you know, continuing the digital transformation agenda. They're just a few. Yeah. There's lots of commitments that we're looking at. But, I mean, essentially what we want to do and one of the things that the interim working group raised with us yes, just yesterday when we had our meeting was we ought to be looking at these commitments and working out precisely what the benefit to the citizens are rather than it being a benefit just to one area of society or or a, a government benefit it ought to be you know what what are the what are the broader benefits to civil yeah. society around the commitments and and so will you then build that sort of benefits realization process into your um, processes when you're looking at, okay, we're going through it, but so we've got to go through that process of understanding what is that benefit and the calculations around that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, one of the things that we're looking at in terms of how we actually get to select a number of commitments. Yeah. So uh, the OGP... I'm mad for benefits realisation, yeah. by the way, okay. and the audience knows it over the last few weeks. because From a content point of view, I think it's it's the step forward because the discussion is not so much about... You know the bits and the bobs and the and the and the and the um, content assets that you create, but we start the conversation around the problems that we solve, and then trying to quantify the problems that we can solve by using content and the distribution of content to engage with citizens so that they can actually understand. Well, yeah. Okay, and get the change happening from there. So yes. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. You. No, that's all right. And and as far as the advice from the Open Government Partnership Organisation goes. They say we ought to have, um, you know, between five and 15 commitments, David, in, okay. the, in the first plan. Right. So they don't recommend you go for broke and don't have, you know, 500 <laughs> recommendations or commitments. Sure. Um, but I imagine yours is a fairly small team. We have a small team working on this, yes, yeah. at the moment. So I've just got three people working on it at the moment mm. and we've obviously got some very senior representation at the interim working group as well. We've got... Uh, Deputy Secretaries from um, Prime Minister and Cabinet. We have uh, a Department of um, Finance. We've got Treasury Attorney Generals. Um, So we've got all the central agencies involved in this at the Deputy Secretary level, which Mm, is really quite a very significant senior level commitment to what we're doing here. 
Mm, that's great. So uh, data is something that, you know, every galah in the pet shop's talking about, you know, everyone's sort of across it. Where does that sit uh, in terms of this agenda, in terms of opening up access to data, data sets that people can understand, open government, those sort of things? Yep. So a big part of the plan is the open data agenda. Mm. And we've got a lot of things coming together in that space, David, in terms of activities that my branch are leading as part of the uh, earlier review into public data management that was undertaken by Prime Minister and Cabinet in uh, 2015. We're responsible for implementing the recommendations of that review and we're, we're making significant progress. There's also a, a range of election commitments that this government's made around making high-value data uh, openly available to um, to the public uh, or to businesses to generate economic activity or f- just for better better civil society um, how difficult um, is that activities to make that data available uh, look it, it's 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 easy if there are no sensitive data involved um, so anything that involves um, records that have individual um, elements to it, that's very difficult to make that open, obviously. Mm. Um, But we've got a lot of data sets now on data.gov.au, which is our portal that we publish our data on. Um, And in fact, when this government came to power, data.gov.au had 550 data sets on it. And currently now searchable data sets is uh, around about 23,000. So in a very short amount of time, we have managed to, um, you know, publish a significant amount of data, all um, mostly non-sensitive data, obviously nothing about individuals or businesses uh, in that space. A lot of it is spatial data. Now, spatial data... Uh, is easy to publish because it, there's no sensitivities around it. It's it's reasonably straightforward. So uh, we've published a lot of, of spatial data. We uh, we also uh, last year the government um, committed to uh, make more data open through the public data policy statement, which was issued on the seventh of December last year, and that essentially calls on agencies to make non-sensitive data, public data, open by default. And um, so that's playing into this as well. One of the key things we've got to do, David, though, in this plan is articulate how we're going to take forward what we call the public data platform and the the strategy around high-value data. And they're the and two is that the data.gov.au platform you're talking about? Yeah, so we're going to re-engineer that and right. uh, and make it a whole lot more usable. Uh, we're going to increase the discoverability of data. We're working with Data61, which is part oh, of yes, CSIRO. CSIRO. Yep. And we're building um, a whole new interface and, and back-end to okay. the public data platform. So mm. that's really exciting work for us. And yeah. some of those milestones will be contained in the National Action Plan. Yeah, great. Are you finding that researchers are diving into this pool of data, this yes. sort of 23,000 yes. sets of data and lots of people? Who's who's going in for a look? Uh, well, we've got a lot of universities. Yeah. Uh, businesses are going in there. We've got uh, startups. We know startups are using some of the data. Uh, we um, Last year we also made the geocoded national address file 
um, openly available, which is a quite a significant data set of geocoded addresses, 13 million records over Australia. We've got a lot of people using that for things like uh, planning, logistics management, uh, building new apps, those sort of things. Uh, so, yeah, look, we've got uh, all walks of life actually going mm. on to data.gov.au right now and, and using the data to best effect. And can you calculate the, the benefit that's being realised by that access to that 23,000 data sets? I knew you'd ask me that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a really difficult thing to do. So yeah, I'm sure it is. One of, one of the things sure about open data is that um, when you make it open, you don't have a mechanism by which you are tracking yeah. who is accessing it. Yeah. And so if you have a data set on data.gov.au that gets downloaded 1,500, 4,000 times, whatever it is, we have no real way of tracking down where that data is going and how it's being used in the economy. But what we are doing is doing uh, a regular environmental scan and trying to uh, piece together use cases for various data sets that we've yeah. got on data.gov.au and building a little bit of a case around open data and what the benefit is, mm. economic benefit is mm. in, in the economy. But the other really key thing that we're going to focus on uh, in the next little while is what are, what are the government efficiencies as well around making data open? And one of the classic cases we've got is where the Department of Human Services used to get, and I, forgive me, I can't remember the actual data set, but used to get FOI'd on a particular data set regularly, which meant that they actually had a bunch yeah. of people yeah. in their department yeah. uh, running FOIs and they thought, well, hang on, why don't we just make this data open <laughs> and uh, go away and the FOI problem. And they do the work. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's a really good news efficiency story for government. And, yeah. um, and so we're going to try and evaluate the benefits both to government but in the economy as well over time. But it's not an easy thing of to do. Of that particular example, like bring case studies out? Bring case studies yeah. out about yeah. about how these things are, are making things more efficient for us but also generating oh, economic the, the, activity. You know, the, the economic, the value creation out of that will be enormous. Yeah. I've got no, no doubt at all because I know from a from a content point of view, access to data is sort of key, yes. you know, at the beginning of the process to give you those insights around the audiences that you're seeking to reach, influence and engage. And by getting access to those data sets, you can really, you know, make better content because it's sort of speaking more accurately and clearly to the to the needs of the people. That's right. Mm. Yeah. So it's exciting. Very exciting for yeah, us. Yeah, you've yes. got a lot to do. You're oh, busy. Look, yes, uh, I'm a very busy person, David. And uh, You don't but, like sleep, which is good. I don't like sleep. <laughs> and uh, But I've got a great team behind me. I've got uh, 21 people you who are working on You do have a great team this. with you. I've got a really great team with me. And uh, thank thank goodness for them. Um, but, yeah, we look, we, uh, we're having fun at the moment because mm. this agenda is front yeah. and centre. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, everyone's talking data. We're, yeah. we're sort of saying data is the oil of the yeah, current yeah, economy. The economy yeah. And uh, and look, uh, everyone's got an opinion about it. Yeah. And we're certainly, I think, we're progressing really, really well yeah, in that sounds, space. Sounds like you're making really good progress. Yep. Yeah, excellent. All right, well, congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. And thanks for coming in. I really appreciate that. 
slight slight change up for us this week um, for the audience there and in transition. Normally we're talking content and we're dealing into, you know, understanding the audience, the strategic planning, you know, what channels are working, offline, online, all that sort of stuff. Whereas I think what we're talking about here today is something, you know, far larger really and, and you know, possibly more important, dare I say it, um, that we really, that we do sort of grip up this opportunity. But I think from a content point of view, there's so much that we can be, that can be learned because ultimately, you know, the open government partnerships and the ambitions of the open government partnerships sort of align with content marketers in the in the public sector because obviously it's all about ultimately strengthening communities and improving the well-being of citizens. So we're on the same page. We're just coming at that from uh, uh, slightly different angles, but the better and more comprehensive the data sets that we can get access to, the better our content is going to be. So, um, and the better stories ultimately that we will tell as well. So Helen, before we go, any final sort of information that you can offer? Any insights? Um, David, just one thing, yeah. and that is if people want to get engaged with the Open Government Partnership activity, we would welcome people's engagement and you can find us at www.ogpau.govspace.gov.au. I might say that again because that's yeah. a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> Hang um, on, I'll just pull over the car and we'll uh, get the www.ogpau. .govspace.gov.au. Okay. And uh, we'd be happy to uh, have as many people in civil society um, as uh, as want to be engaged in this activity. Yeah. And, you know, I, I uh, would like to think that people like yourselves can help us with driving forward on the public data agenda because we think it's uh, it's a pretty important agenda going forward for the country. Yeah, indeed. No, yep, no questions, Scoop. All the help in the world. Come and see me. I really would like to, to keep this going. I think it's a great story and I think, again, that the economic benefits that can be realised out of this if we can, you know, keep moving because obviously it sounds like you've got a great plan but it's now time to execute. So good Absolutely. luck with that. Thank you. Okay, audience, thank you very much for, for tuning in this week. And for those of you, you know, around the world, which there is a global audience to this podcast, maybe just search up the uh, Open Government Partnership in your own country and get some uh, access and some insight into what's going there with you as well. So anyway, um, thanks very much to Helen Owens, a very busy lady, and I'm very grateful that she was able to come in the studio today um, to share a bit of time with us. And that's about it for another week. Thanks very much for joining us and we'll be back at the same time next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.